This is Dyes and Chewy XD Podcast, episode 159, for the week of January 11th, 2009. Welcome to Dyes and Chewy X, the podcast, an extension of the all-encompassing Dragon Ball fan site, Dyes and Chewy X. We cover anything and everything Dragon Ball in hopes of enlightening and a little bit of entertaining. What is up, everyone? Hey there, Mr. Guy. Mr. Guy, that's fine. You can call me Mr. Guy. Let me go over to the man, the myth, the legend, Julian. Yo. Hey, what's up, man? You're here two weeks in a row. This is extraordinary. That is correct. It's a Saturday morning, and I'm awake, and it's kind of crappy outside, but that's okay. What do you got for weather out there? This is the, uh, I don't really know how to make small talk with someone. How, how's the weather? Yep. Well, you the know, it's yep. kind of cloudy and rainy at close to freezing, so it's really unpleasant to walk around in. That is about New Jersey in the nutshell as well. Cool. So how about that local sports team? How about that local <laughs> sports team? Mary, tell me, how about that local sports team? They are doing great. I bet on them and won. Oh, they are fantastic. How much did you win? Oh, uh, $2. Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Mike. Hey, what's up, dude? How you doing? Um, Totally fine. It's like a second night of recording for us. <laughs> I don't even know what the day it is. Just don't stop. I don't know what show it is unless there's an outline in front of me. <laughs> We're going to randomly talk about video games be like, no, 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 wait, wrong show. Hold on. <laughs> Jeff, how about that album? How about that cover? Oh, damn, no, we are talking about cover art this episode. Oh, my God. Oh, it's I a crossover. It is. It actually kind of is. Oh, that's awesome. It's always video game news. So. No, no, no. I'm talking about more. video games. talking about music. There oh, is a crossover between Daizen Shui X and Low Fidelity. Yes, week. there is. Oh, oh, my God. Amazingly enough, there is. Jeff, we'll talk about that in like an hour or so. That's right. All right. Did I really introduce everyone? Julian, you're our, you're our, that's how the English language works. You think I was the one in Japan. Anyways, you are in Japan. You are from Daizen Shui X and you are the coolest guy on the planet. Correct me if I'm wrong with any of those. I believe you are correct on all counts all right mary you come to us yes i am totally messing up words and i'm not even done <laughs> with one beer Woohoo. Uh, mary you come to us from temple o trunks yes i guess you could say i am from there would you like me to say anything differently would you want me to just say at this point you're from this podcast <laughs> you know what that might be my my new gig okay that might be far more accurate mary you come to us from here i am born from it <laughs> and i have returned to it like a mother what? I don't, never mind. All right, Jeff. A mother who is her own daughter. <laughs> Jeff, you come to us from 56 as opposed to 52. How Fushigi Yugi. Hi, Mike. Fushigi <laughs> Mary was watching Fushigi yesterday. Was. Jeff, you are not, uh, it's not correct anymore. I would say many years ago that you are not a Dragon Ball fan, but you were here. You kind of have to be to keep showing up and keep reading the manga. At least. Listen, 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 listen. I'm, I'm still a budding Dragon Ball fan. I can't even put myself on the pantheon of Dragon Ball fans until I finish this manga. Can I still call you a noob? Yes, you can still call me a noob, technically. All right, you're the noob. And because the noob is here, it means we're talking manga, the review of awesomeness, as you've dubbed it. Yes, that's right. What volume are we up to? Let me scroll down. I can't remember. Volume 23 of the manga. That's what we're going to be talking about this week on the show. 
the review, the analysis, all that good stuff. And speaking of stuff, does anyone have any stuff before we get into the news? Julian, anything cool going on in Japan? Not too much. It's getting back into the final term of the academic year in Japan. So I'm setting up some review things for next week and the weeks coming. But the third years are going to be busy with studying for their high school entrance exams and, oh, you know, all that fun stuff that occurs towards the end of the school year. Yeah, so it's winding down a little bit, but I'm keeping myself occupied and kind of dreading the release of a certain film that is not to be named. Ah-ha-ha! Uh, are you going to go see it? You will actually... This is amazing. You're going to be able to give a first-hand account a month before America gets it. Oh, God. Yeah, I don't think that helps us at all. <laughs> That's true. It doesn't... Sure, it does. People want to hear. They want to know. They're dying to... They're aching. They can't guess it by this point. And, Julian, it is your duty for great justice to go see it. I suppose I will have to execute this duty with all... I don't know, due diligence. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> In spite of myself. <laughs> and your wallet. And your better judgment. Uh, oh, dear. Anyone else got anything going on, Mary? Nothing Dragon Ball related. All right. Jeff, you got any Dragon Ball stuff? <laughs> oh, yeah, I have so much. Nothing. Let me tell you the things going on, all zero <laughs> of them. How you doing there, Mary? <laughs> playing with the XLR cable? No, I'm playing with the crack. <laughs> <laughs> There's a crack in the table. I wanted to see how wide it was. Let it be known that Mary is not the one <laughs> drinking this episode. <laughs> Mary? Yes? Why? <laughs> Just why? <laughs> Julian, I ask her this every day. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, all right. I think that sums up the general stuffage. Let's go over to the news. So we have uh, a couple things from all over the planet. And by the planet, I mean uh, the U.S. and Japan. We're going to start over here in the United States, oh, America. Julian, tell me some things going on with Funimation. Yes. Well, it appears that, according to Anime News Network, and confirmed by Funimation itself, Funimation has finished its current restructuring of its staff, which means that in a filing with the SEC, it has noted that its chief operating officer, Ryan Burke, was let go as part of the changes, and Funimation has also put out a formal statement about the situation as well. <clears throat> we can confirm that Funimation Entertainment has completed a company-wide restructuring that includes staffing reductions in several departments. This decision was not taken lightly and thoughtful consideration was given as to how this move would affect our customers, vendors, and employees, said Gen Fukunaga, President and CEO of Funimation Entertainment. However, we must anticipate and adapt to the current economic climate. This action is expected to streamline our processes as we manage our business for the long-term growth. The staff reductions were made to the support infrastructure and does not affect the production or acquisitions of titles. Funimation will continue to acquire the best titles from Japan and has several strategic alliances and acquisitions yet to announce. Like the Ava movies. <laughs> <laughs> the wording yes. here comes to us from... I think it's mania.com, which is the site that absorbed anime on DVD. I don't quite know. I don't really visit them anymore, but saw it pop up in a feed. It first popped up on Anime News Network, like uh, the article said here, and they get a little more clarification. So in so much as affecting Dragon Ball, what do you guys think? The COO is gone. Gen's still around. Now, I'd have to dig back into the filings and pull it out exactly, but I think it's 2010. Gen Fukunaga gets a huge bonus if due to was it Navarre that purchased Funimation? If Funimation uh, meets or exceeds a certain profit margin, something like that. So cutting that cost, Gen actually has something in it for himself 
personally along the way if they keep things up. And this is a really tough time to be trying to keep things up. So we know the COO is gone. We know someone else is gone. Dragon Ball, what do you think? Affecting it? Well, I don't know. It, I suppose it could, although at this point they don't have a huge amount of the series left to put out in its revised what you call it, remastered. Yeah, Dragon Ball form. basically handles itself for Funimation. Yeah, if they wanted to yeah, save money, point. they'd stop putting out so many gazillion <laughs> versions of the same thing. Right. And I don't know, it kind of feels like they're trying to avoid problems related to the economic downturn. But at the same time, you wonder how much of that is spin. Well, they say we're doing this in order to head off problems, but maybe they have encountered problems and that's why they're doing this. You don't yeah, really we'll know never know. Sure. Navarre is a public company, but Funimation is wholly owned by them, so we don't get to know all the nitty-gritty about Funimation. We learn a little bit here and there. I don't know. We'll let you know more uh, if anything else happens. In the meantime, we have cover art. We have Funimation cover art, and we have Japanese cover art. First one we have here is Season 9, which I believe is going to be the last season from Funimation. Super Saiyajin Vegito is on the cover, so uh, I agree with that choice there. How did they get to 9? Well, 8's not out yet. 8 comes out in February. What I mean is, I remember, like, 5 being the last one. So, like, what could... They split some of them in half. Yeah, they've actually been lowering episode counts. Okay, so it's not technically a season then? Season 1 was longer than others and then they've kind of been lowering episode counts as they've gone Has on. the price been the same? Yeah, more or so less. So it's, it's a bum rap. Hook you at, at the beginning, and then screw you as it goes on. I, it just seems weird that, like, season nine, that implies that Dragon Ball Z is nine years. Yeah, yeah. Well, Dragon Ball was on for about 10, 11 years in Japan, but that includes the original and GT. Yeah. So it's very misleading. Uh, we also have four cover arts from Japan. Movies 11 and 12 of DBZ came out today, or no, yeah, I think it was today or yesterday in Japan, depending on what time zone you're in. And 13 and 14, well, I no. can't believe they're calling it 14. It's not 14. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. That's- It's not a Dragon Ball Z movie. That's right. The 10th anniversary movie is coming out 14th in line because they started with the DBZ movies. So then they're doing that. And it sounds like Dragon Ball movies one through three will come after that, uh, possibly all together in the same month. But then it also sounds like they'll be 15, 16, 17, which again is very misleading. Yes, that's the order in which they were released on DVD. It's not even the order that came out in Japan. So very strange. What does everyone think about the cover arts here? And then I'll tell you what the internet thinks. Um, 13 looks cool, but what's going on in the bottom left corner on the 12 cover? Yeah, a lot of people have uh, said, what's up with those two little boxes? There's Goku and Vegeta, little hovering boxes. It looks stupid and out of place. Okay. Looks manga-ish. Very true. Very true. Other thoughts? Anyone? As a graphic designer, I just have to say, I don't think this designer was paid enough. (laughs) Uh, Would you like to hear what the internet thinks? Yeah. The inner tubes have decided that the 14 cover is the best of them so far. Uh, like the new artwork. Not really new artwork, but it more fits uh, that movie because the 10th anniversary movie was the last thing to come out. So it's closer. Does that make sense? Anyone know or care? It's nice. Okay. I like yeah. it. I'm there. biased to 13. All right. Most people hate 13. Really? Yep. Why? Weird oh. white space. I think the white space is appropriate. All right, that's fine. You're entitled to your educated opinion. (laughs) Although it looks like Trunks is kind of lifting Goku up on his sword. Yeah, that is a little strange. Like Goku's knee is resting on the sword. He's giving a little little push. That's uh, the news. That's it. So with that out of the way, it is time to get to the manga review. 
So if you guys and gals remember, last time we did a manga review, we actually recorded the episode in half. Jeff, you showed up to do the actual analysis part, and then Mary and I went back and did the rest of the show. And we decided that it would be a perfect opportunity to do an experiment and see what worked, what didn't work, and what people thought about it. What we did with that episode was not record the usual recap of the chapters like we usually do. We just jumped right into you showing up and doing the uh, analysis, review, what have you, of the volume. Because, you know, it does take a little bit of time. It takes me a long time to do all the notes, that kind of stuff. So, hey, would it save work? Would it save people time? Do they want to hear it? So we asked you, you know, give us emails, give us forum responses. We want to know what you think because it's important to us that we do what is best for you, what's most appropriate for you. Because we've read it. We don't need to talk about it. Or maybe we do. Because we get some comments that said something like, I think even Herms pointed this out. Your discussion seemed a little more disjointed than usual because you didn't just go through it. So what I would like to do is uh, read a couple of quick emails that we got because you can go check out the forum thread. Everyone's read uh, what everyone on the forum said to it. But let's uh, check out some of these emails and see what people had to say. Jeff, I'm going to give you the first one here. This is, uh, I think, the longest of the couple we're going to read. This one comes to us from Son Gaharoto. Son Gaharoto says, Speaking for myself, I like hearing the manga summaries. I'm usually listening to the podcast while at work or some such, so I don't have have the manga right in front of me. And while I am familiar with the general course of events, I haven't memorized what takes place in which chapter. So it helps knowing what you guys are going to be discussing. Over the course of this grand experiment, I found myself stopping to figure out where you were in the narrative, which is very distracting. What I think can be done is to streamline the summary process. As much as I appreciate it, you often get involved in a blow-by-blow, which really isn't necessary and eats up time better spent on the analysis. The purpose of a summary is to get listeners up to speed, so just a sentence or two per chapter ought to suffice. Vegeta challenged is Zarbon and thinks he has the upper hand until Zarbon reveals a startling transformation. Short and to the point is best. Alright, there's one. Mary, why don't you read the one here from Jaime? Hey guys, this is Jaime again. I just finished listening to episode 155, the December manga review of Awesomeness, and you said to send in your opinions about the omission of the chapter-by-chapter summary. Well, I miss it. I have seen and read the entirety of Dragon Ball, but it's been a while since then, so I do enjoy the summaries you guys do. They help me form my own opinions about the volume to compare and contrast with yours. Julian, why don't you read the one here from Lance? I just want to speak in favor of the summary followed by analysis, a.k.a. the tried-and-true format of the manga review of awesomeness. First off, as you guys said, pretty much all of us here have already had the context of the manga. I know I've read through the whole series many a time. However, I still find it fun to listen to you summarize chapter by chapter while I follow along in my own volume. And it's nice to have that immediate context just to be fresh when you jump into the analysis. Sure, I could prep myself by rereading the volume before listening to the podcast, but for some reason, it's just more fun to have you summarize it. Maybe that sounds lazy, but for me, it creates the illusion that I'm actually following the zany adventures of Jeff reading it for the first time. (laughs) Finally, and this is the ace up my sleeve, pacing. Yes, you use that term quite frequently in your analysis. Well, let me propose that the summary preceding the analysis contributes quite a bit to the pacing of the review as a whole. It sets the stage for what's to come and builds up anticipation for finally setting down and getting to the nitty-gritty of what we've just gone over. All right, let me take the last one here. This is from Tim. Tim says, I did like the last show, but I enjoyed the reading of the manga volume a bit more. I really don't know why, except maybe because I listen to my shows at work, and once a month I enjoy story time. (laughs) 
I'm not sure, but that might be the reason. So there you go. Those are four examples of emails we got. And there were a whole slew more emails and lots of forum responses. Overwhelming majority was, we need a summary. I don't care what that summary is. We absolutely need it. We want it. You damn well better have it. So we are going to have it. Yay! Then the question comes, well, what is appropriate for a summary? Is it what we've traditionally been doing, where it's pretty in-depth, we don't cover every single last thing, but pretty close to it, or something shorter? And let me tell you, I found it very, very difficult to do anything other than what we've been doing. And I don't think it's because that's just what I'm used to. I, I found it very hard to say, like Son Goharoto said, uh, Vegeta challenges Arma and thinks he has the upper hand until Zarma reveals the Starling Transformation. I felt like we missed a lot in there, and you'll see, especially in the previous volume and this volume, things that Vegeta did in that fight, I think, contribute a lot to him growing as a character. And as I was writing those short blurbs, I found myself saying, I can't, we're, we're missing really important information. So I think what we'll do is pretty much what we've been doing, and not just because we're comfortable doing it, but the overwhelming majority said that's what they wanted here. Yeah, because I'm just extremely uncomfortable doing this. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Guess what, Jeff? Oh, no. Damn you, <laughs> listeners. Damn you. And uh, it seems like it's been the best so far. Maybe uh, future volumes. I mean, we still have more or less half the series to go. We'll try some other experiment with a different type of review beforehand. But for now, I guess status quo is how we're going to go. And wasn't that so rhymy and wonderful? With that out of the way, it is time to actually do that review now. We are going to be going over Tankobon 23. That is uh, Kansenban, the last third of 18, and then the first third of 19, if you're going by the uh, re-release of the manga over there in Japan. Over here in America, the Viz graphic novel you're looking for is DBZ Volume 7, and if you're picking up the Viz Big, that's going to be DBZ 3, which just came out in December, which will have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9 of Viz's DBZ. So, once again, I have everything plainly laid out for you. That's what we're going over. Jeff, you brought the manga back. Anyone want to hold it in their hands and look through it as we go through here? Mary's taking it from me. I will start us off here. This is going to be Chapter 265. Kriditin has arrived at Saichodo's and asks for his Dragon Ball. Saichodo wonders how there are Dragon Balls on Earth, so Kriditin explains a little bit, and Saichodo assumes it must have been the child of Katats, who himself was able to create Dragon Balls. Kriditin explains that he is dead, killed by a Saiyajin named Vegeta, so Saichodo asks if he was possibly a Super Saiyajin. Saichodo asks Kriditin to come over and reads his thoughts and memories by placing his hand on his head, getting the whole story about Piccolo Daimo in the process. And Julian, uh, you should have fond memories of this scene. Oh, yes. <laughs> Saichodo says it was foolish of him to split in two, since it diminished his potential power by half. If they rejoined into one, he probably wouldn't have had to die. Kudinin's intention are pure of heart, so he gives him the Dragon Ball. It probably won't do him much good, though, since Saichodo is going to die in a few days, and the Dragon Balls will be unusable. Saichodo says Kudinin is strong, but he has untapped potential. He once again puts his hand on his head and unleashes that power. Memory, would you like to do the line? Oh, power! Thank you. I don't remember. Was there anything else? Nah, that's basically Oh! <laughs> Sorry. Generic Terry Clayson, Clason, whatever impression. Kudidin is astonished at how much stronger he's become, and it doesn't hurt Saichodo to do it, so he's gonna go get Gohan and bring him back for the same treatment. Kudidin takes off by himself with the Dragon Ball. Bulma notices a Dragon Ball coming toward them, so Kudidin must have taken care of everything. There are five Dragon Balls altogether, those must be freezes, but there's another one off in the distance all by itself, which must have been from the village Vegeta destroyed. Gohan takes the radar and blasts off to get that Dragon Ball, noting that he doesn't feel any evil ki 
along the way. Back in Frieza's spaceship, Zarban and Apul are watching over Vegeta in the rejuvenation tank. Apul says it will take another half hour for him to heal up, so Zarban just takes off and walks away. As Apul chuckles to himself in front of Vegeta in the tank, Vegeta wakes up and blasts with one hand forward, killing Apul. <gasps> it was a sad day for all. Zarban and Frieza wonder what that was, so they go to look, but Vegeta has created another diversion with an extra blast, and he runs off inside the spaceship and finds Frieza's Dragon Balls. Let me take it over to Julian, 266. Gohan follows the radar to the destroyed village and finds the Dragon Ball underwater, assuming Vegeta couldn't find it, though he doesn't know that Vegeta purposely hid it there. Zarbon hovers above the ship looking for Vegeta, and Frieza tells him that he's holding Zarbon personally responsible for the situation. Vegeta discovers the five Dragon Balls and quickly tries to figure out what to do. He yells at them for being idiots and blasts down a hallway to distract them, and then ducks back in, blows a hole out of the ship, and tosses the five Dragon Balls into the distance. As Zarbon and Frieza struggle to figure out where he is, assuming now that he's after the Dragon Balls, Vegeta Vegeta ducks out at the same hole just in time as Zarbon and Frieza arrive. Vegeta jumps underwater to swim away, figuring Frieza would be able to catch up to him if they saw him flying off. Uh, Frieza tells Zarbon that he has an hour to find Vegeta or be killed. Vegeta pops up on land right where he threw the Dragon Balls and senses another powerful key coming, though it's not as strong as Zarbon. The narrator lets us know that Kareeding was understandably too ecstatic to realize that Vegeta's key was nearby. Vegeta finally sees one of the Earthlings on Namek, not to mention the fact that he has what should be the last Dragon Ball he needs. Mary, why don't you give me chapter 267? Krillin zooms back towards Bulma with Vegeta hot on his trail. Sarbon looks around but isn't finding Vegeta, but then sees someone with the Dragon Ball. Turns out it's one of the people from before, who himself is being followed by Vegeta, so he takes off in pursuit. Vegeta can tell Zarbon is following him, which is now only an annoyance to him. Zarbon will be off guard, assuming it will be just like before. Krillin lands and scares Bulma, who tells him that Gohan went off to get the other Dragon Ball that Vegeta had been looking for. Krillin feels another key coming, and Vegeta makes his appearance. Vegeta tells them he didn't expect the Earthlings to be able to travel this far, and lets them know he'll be killing them both and taking the Dragon Ball. Zarbon then lands, Bulma assuming it's too much to ask that he'd be there to help them, and Krillin knowing for sure. Zarbon tells Vegeta he's made a fool of him to Frieza, and is here to take his revenge and get the Dragon Balls. Zarbon buffs up to his monster form and attacks Vegeta, who drops to the ground and avoids the swipe. He then picks up some dirt in one of his hands in the process. Vegeta jumps into the air and Zarbon follows, and Vegeta tosses the dirt into Zarbon's eyes to temporarily blind him, and then sends him flying with a punch. Jeff, give me 268. Chapter 268. Vegeta breaks the armor on the back of Zarbon and sends him flying, and falls up and smacks him down into the water. Vegeta then unleashes a fury of key blasts down at the area Zarbon fell. Meanwhile, Kuridin and Bulma attempt to escape, but Vegeta notices them and blasts in front of them to keep them around. Zarbon then flies up through Vegeta's blast, and the two land on the ground. Vegeta acts quite cocky and asks Zarbon if he's ready to die. He explains once more how the Saiyajin increased their strength by an amazing amount when they come back from the brink of death, and healing him was the worst thing they could have done. Zarbon rushes in with his own fury of swipes, all of which Vegeta dodge or knock away. Vegeta then interrupts it all by punching directly into Zarbon's stomach. The panels pause to zoom in and show blood beginning to drip out. Zarbon, wide-eyed at this point, pleads with Vegeta to let him live so that they can take on Frieza together. But Vegeta refuses and blasts out the other side of Zarbon, sending him flying with a gaping hole back down into the water. Vegeta notes that if it were that easy to take down Frieza, he wouldn't be Frieza. Vegeta turns to Kuridin and demands the Dragon Ball, and Kuridin makes him promise not to kill them 
him if he actually hands it over. Vegeta gets the Dragon Ball and is in such a good mood, assuming he now has all seven Dragon Balls, that he just takes off and leaves Kuririn and Bulma alone. Kuririn says Gohan has to make it so Vegeta can't get his wish. Chapter 269. Bulma wonders why Kuririn just gave him the Dragon Ball, but he says that so long as Gohan gets the Dragon Ball he went after, Vegeta will at least not have all seven. Gohan is flying back and senses a massive key coming, which has to be Vegeta. He ducks down and tries to suppress his key, but Vegeta stops above and knows he also sensed something right there. Vegeta yells for whoever it is to come out or he'll just blow up the whole area. Gohan puts the Dragon Ball down behind the rock and climbs up on top before Vegeta can actually destroy anything. Vegeta is a little surprised, but not too much at this point, to see Kakarot's son here. Gohan sees Vegeta holding the Dragon Ball and asks if he killed Kuririn for it. Vegeta says he didn't, but he can always go back and do so if he wants to. He was in such a good mood now that he has all seven, but Gohan raises an eyebrow and kind of looks behind himself knowing that he has one of the Dragon Balls. Vegeta lands down in front of him and asks him what he's holding. He says it's a watch, so Vegeta just laughs it off. Vegeta asks if his father is also here, but Gohan says no. Vegeta puts his hand on Gohan's cheek and tells him that they are the three remaining Saiyajin, and when he gets back to Earth, he should tell Kakarot. Vegeta then knees Gohan in the stomach and tells him that he's gonna come to Earth again someday, and he will kill them all. Vegeta blasts off laughing to himself, but Gohan's also chuckling, since while he ended up getting hurt a little bit, Vegeta never noticed that the Dragon Ball was lying right there behind the rock. Kuririn and Bulma are anxious to leave the area, since Vegeta will obviously come back for them at some point, but Gohan isn't there yet. Gohan finally arrives with the Dragon Ball, so the three of them take off to hide somewhere else. Vegeta returns to the village he destroyed and swims underwater to where he left the Dragon Ball, but... It's not there. He thinks back to Gohan in the watch and realizes he's been made a fool of. Vegeta blasts up into the air screaming and immediately flies back to where Kuridin and Bulma were, but there is no one there anymore. They've suppressed their key down to zero and he can't tell where they are worth a goddamn at all, so he's pissed but he's going to have to wait for them to come to him, since he's the one with the last Dragon Balls now. Bulma, Kuririn, and Gohan hide on their own down between two cliffs, and Kuririn explains that he's going to take Gohan to see Saichiro, who can potentially make him even stronger than Vegeta. Julian, 270. The narrator recaps the recent events and Dragon Ball trades, concluding with Bulma sitting by herself in the hideout. Kuririn and Gohan are flying to the eldest Namekian, but have to go very slowly so Vegeta won't pick up on them. Gohan wonders how strong he'll get and Kuririn says that if he got this strong, Gohan's Saiyajin blood should make him incredible. Vegeta sits by himself with the six Dragon Balls, knowing that he has to just sit around and protect them, until he either eventually pick up on the Earthlings, or someone will have to come to him. So he just sits around and concentrates on trying to locate people. Meanwhile, out in space, Goku is training himself literally to near death, though he probably doesn't realize that what he's doing is taking advantage of his Saiyajin blood and increasing his power immensely by recovering from near death thanks to the senzu he got from Kari. He's mastered a hundred G's and is now about two days left, so it's time to rest up and get ready to arrive, and he's down to three senzu. He thinks he'll even be able to handle Kaioken times ten now. The narrator lets us know that Goku isn't even aware how he's now surpassed what Saiyajin are even supposed to be capable of in the first place. Frieza is standing around, and since four days have passed, Zarbon must be dead. At the same time, nothing else major has happened. Vegeta probably hasn't made his wish 
ambush, and the Ginyu Special Force should be showing up soon, and with scouters, so everything is still okay. Kuririn and Gohan get up from a quick break and assume that they're close enough now that they should be able to just burst the final distance to Saichoro. They were wrong, however, and Vegeta has sensed them. Mary, 271! Okay! Vegeta senses two beings, so it must be Kakarot's son and the bald midget. He doesn't know what's <laughs> going on, especially since they're not coming towards him, but he has to go investigate. He'll take one Dragon Ball with him, so even if Bulma uses one of their devices to find his Dragon Balls, at least they won't get them all, he takes off. Kuridin and Gohan are still flying towards Saichiro's, but Kuridin is starting to have doubts about Gohan's strength increase. They might have to wait for Goku to show up and then take Vegeta on as a group. Vegeta is gaining on them, and Kuridin senses it. He tells Gohan to hurry on ahead and he'll stall for time. Right as Gohan leaves, Vegeta appears in front of Kuridin. He demands the Dragon Ball he handed over, but Kuridin plays dumb. Vegeta notices the cliff and its house up on top in the distance and assumes they're hiding somewhere there. Vegeta bursts around Kuridin and heads on over there. Inside, Saichiro has his hand on top of Gohan and asks if he is in Indeed, not an earthling due to his power. Gohan asks him to please hurry up. Vegeta lands outside, which Nail senses, and wonders what this place is. Kuridin yells for him to stop, and Nail walks outside to stop Vegeta himself. Inside, Saichoro unlocks Gohan's power, which Vegeta senses and assumes it's Kakarot's. Gohan is the one who walks out, much to Vegeta's surprise. Saichoro tells Gohan to go tell everyone else that an evil energy is approaching the planet. Gohan assumes that it's his dad, but there is more than one. Vegeta connects all the dots and realizes it's the Ginyu Force, since there are five of them. Vegeta picks up Gohan and demands that he hands over the Dragon Ball or they're all dead. Vegeta explains that every single member is probably stronger than even him, and they're all coming with scatters, so they'll easily be found. The only thing they can do is make Vegeta immortal so he can take them on. Kuridin says they can use Gohan, but Vegeta says Gohan has no real fighting experience, and Nail says that the dragon can grant three wishes, so even if they grant Vegeta this one, they can still make one of their own. They ultimately agree and take off with Vegeta to go get their Dragon Ball. Meanwhile, Saitro tells Nail to go help them and that he'll last a little longer. Meanwhile, five space pods approach planet Namek. Chapter <gasps> 272, Jeff. 272 beers on the wall and that wasn't funny. Chapter what? 272. What? <laughs> Chapter 272. Frieza watches as Ginyu Force arrives. I can call him Ginyu Force, right? You can call him Ginyu Force, Ginyu Special Force, Ginyu Special Task Force, Ginyu Tok Sentai, whatever you want to call him. All right, I'll just call him Ginyu Force. Kuridin, Gohan, and Vegeta arrive to Bulma's hideout, grab the Dragon Ball, and immediately take off again, much to her confusion. Frieza, back in his chair, flies atop his ship to greet Ginyu Force. The five of them land, pose, and introduce themselves, and do one final collective introduction after a brief awkward silence. Frieza thanks them for coming and lets them know the current situation. They are to find Vegeta, beat him to near death, and bring him back. Ginyu notes that they've already picked everyone up on the scouters. Frieza tells them to go ahead and just kill the other two. Jis gives Frieza the scouters he requested, and they all take off. Vegeta consents that they're all after him. Up in space, Goku's ship lets him know that he'll be arriving at Planet Nemec in 20 minutes. He brushes his teeth and gets all changed up into his gi, surprised by the fact that he's so calm despite the horrible situation he's heading into with such strong enemies. As Vegeta and the others arrive at the other Dragon Balls, Ginyu Force plopped down right in front of them. They couldn't even sense them coming so fast. Ginyu wonders if these are the Dragon Balls, while Raccoon notes that there are five over behind them. Chapter 273. Ginyu says that Frieza wanted the seven Dragon Balls. There are five on the 
the ground, and these guys have the other two, so they're all set. Vegeta isn't about to just hand them over, but Ginyu has no problem killing Vegeta if he has to. Kudadin realizes just how strong these other guys are. In fact, Ginyu himself is leagues above the rest. But what about this Gerd guy? Vegeta asks if they can only find living beings and not a Dragon Ball with the scouters, which Ginyu confirms. So Vegeta turns around and tosses his Dragon Ball off into the distance. Vata immediately flies after it and returns with it in a blinding burst of speed. Vegeta yells for Kudadin to destroy the Dragon Ball he's holding, but right as he's about to smash it, it's suddenly no longer in his hands, and Gerd is holding it. Vegeta says the rumors must be true that he can stop time. As Ginyu and the others decide what the plan is, Vegeta asks the Earthlings if they can show a little of that potential like they did on Earth. Ginyu decides that he will personally deliver the Dragon Balls to Frieza, and the rest of them can figure it out on their own. As he prepares to leave with the Dragon Balls, they all rock, paper, scissors to decide who gets who. Raccoon is going to fight Vegeta, and Gerd gets the other two by himself. Ginyu takes off, and Raccoon starts to walk forward to take on Vegeta. He says the other two are in the way, so Gerd can go first. Vegeta calls Kudadin over and tells him not to let his guard down, since while that guy over there is pretty weak, he can use psychic powers. Also, isn't Kakarot supposed to be here by now? Kudadin says he's on his way, and Vegeta scoffs that while he doesn't really like the idea, any help would be pretty useful right about now. Gohan and Kudadin are about to fight, so Kudadin tells Gohan to unleash his key. They burst with energy, fly up into the sky, and launch blasts down a GERD. Julian, 274. Chapter 274. GERD stops time, which freezes the blasts, but he can't see the two of them. <clears throat> he finally sees them, but he's covered a huge distance already somehow. He lets time go, and then Kuridin and Gohan see him and head over there. GERD is forced to freeze time again, and when he does, they were almost right on top of him. It will be too much to freeze time and attack them, so he'll have to do something else. GERD hides and unfreezes time again, but Gohan and Kuridin immediately start flying over to where he is, though he can't understand how they're doing it without scouters. This time, Gerd uses telekinesis to freeze them in midair without stopping time. Kuridin and Gohan are completely unable to move, and the other Ginyu members are a little shocked that they got above 10,000 and can manipulate their ki without transforming. Gerd breaks apart a tree and forms a point on one end, which he prepares to toss and impale at least one of them. They still can't move at all. As the tree gets near them, Vegeta suddenly appears next to Gerd and chops his head right off. Kuridin is able to move and hop over the tree. Gerd's decapitated head tells Vegeta it wasn't fair, since he was only fighting the other two. Vegeta says, too bad, he never agreed to any rules, and while Gerd curses Vegeta, Vegeta raises a hand and blows up the head. Gohan and Kuridin thank Vegeta for saving them, but they shouldn't be so thankful yet. The remaining three Ginyu members are upset, now they'll have to figure out a new pose to suit the four of them, and they will rock, paper, scissors again to see who will fight next. Raccoon still has Vegeta. While Kuridin and Gohan watch on in slight confusion, Vegeta says the real hell is about to begin. Chapter 275, Merrick. Raccoon steps forward ready to fight while Jis and Butta tell him not to kill the other two. Raccoon does his own pose while Gohan and Kuridin dot dot dot. And then Vegeta begins to massively power up. Vegeta rushes forward. Jis reading him at over 20,000 and swipes Raccoon in the face. Vegeta bursts up and over to slam him into the ground, knee him in the gut, then picks him up by the leg and tosses him into a mountain. Vegeta then slaps his open hands together and fires a massive blast at Raccoon, and even puts one last extra burst into it. Kudin thinks Vegeta took him out, but when the smoke clears, Raccoon is standing there virtually unharmed, with the exception of his clothes 
clothes and armor. He says the warm-up is over and it's his turn to get started, so Raccoon blasts forward and knees Vegeta in the face, sending him flying. Jeff, finish it off. Chapter 276. Vegeta plops himself off the ground, back up into the air, and goes after Raccoon, who just steps aside and blocks all of his punches. Raccoon elbows him down and follows through to punch him again, but Vegeta rebounds and tries to fly away to launch a blast, but Raccoon speeds up to get above Vegeta, and then overhead kicks him down into the water. Vegeta swims for a short distance and then bursts up into the air right into Raccoon's gut and punches away. Raccoon smirks and grabs Vegeta from underneath him and flies towards the ground, launching Vegeta head first into the ground. He picks him up like a vegetable from one leg, but Vegeta opens his eyes and immediately launches a blast point-blank into Raccoon's face with both hands. Raccoon hops right back to his feet, and Vegeta realizes he is going to die. As Raccoon poses and Kuririn tells Gohan to get ready to power up, Goku's spaceship tells him he has two minutes to landing. And we have finally reached the end of this volume of the manga. So much stuff going on. Very intricate uh, recap here, but I think it was worth it. And we'll get to why I think it was worth it. Where would anyone like to start? Let me go over to you, Julian. Yes. Well, it's a very suspenseful volume where a lot happens. And it's setting up for even more stuff to go down in volume 24. So... It's, I like it. Let me just get the overall impressions then. Julian, you liked it. Mary, did you like this volume? Um, it's a good continuation of the last volume, and I really did enjoy a lot of the, the chasing, and it didn't seem as, um, as tedious as some of the previous, like, two volumes ago. Uh-huh. While we did have a little bit of the, you know, the sneakiness and let's hide from one another, it was at least done in a speedy fashion. And we got a couple of good deaths out of it. We did. And some new characters, so, um, really... But did you like it? Yeah, yeah, there was just a lot going on um you know less humor than most volumes as we're coming to see right. but there's still a couple of funny gags in there like that line G says about uh hey we're gonna beat you up <laughs> i'm not talking about hide and seek or whatever it was yes so i mean there's a little bit of the humor but you know it's definitely taking a back seat to the action but the action's decent jeff mr i don't like anathala what do you think of this dragon ball issue <laughs> Oh, fine. Well, then I hated this volume. How about that? How about that, Mike? I don't know. How about that? Actually, it's just really, really good. Okay. Um, I, I did really enjoy this. Uh, it, it felt like a straight continuation of the previous novel. Novel. Manga. <laughs> based it's, on the true story. Yeah, based on... Right. Um, but I kind of have to disagree with Mary here. I thought the Ginyu Force was really, really funny. I guess it's because I knew they were coming that I wasn't like, oh, ha, ha, hearty, har, har. Well, that's but it. Like, I saw the poses. Nice Dude, those poses were awesome. <laughs> yes. Amazing. I mean, it's like, you know, you can't you can't come up with a better group of five numbskulls who are just like, oh, now we got to come up with a pose for four people. <laughs> did you know that me, Mike and Julian and, and Maggie and, and who Dave. else? And Dave Mickey. did the Ginyu Force pose. We have a photo of it. What? Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> like four years ago, yeah. yeah. Uh, nice. Five? Let us- I was Goldo. I mean, Gerd. <laughs> I mean, whatever the hell we're calling him. It's fine. Let us pause right here. Julian, you and I are going to go through the five members. We're on, we seem to be on the subject of Ginyu you talk sentai right now so let's break down all yes. the name puns first let's just start right there ginyu talk sentai yes well ginyu is based on the japanese word well sino japanese word really Ginyu, which means cow's milk and tokusentai which is like specially selected fighting or well special fighting force special task force special force even or just okay. force so that's the the name attributed to this group of five so we've got ginyu right there yes ginyu taicho he's the leader the captain of the group and he's milk that's correct all right how about rikum rikum is a let's say an anagram of the kana phrase kurimu which is a rendering of cream in Japanese. Are you kidding me? No, Jeff, just wait. We're we're only two in. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Next up, we have Bata. Yes, Bata, which is a transformation of Bata, or butter. It's like butter. <laughs> Cuts like butter. <laughs> Next up, we have Jis. Yes, Jis. Well, you take the little two dots and put them on a different character in the same cheese. So you take the dot dots on the su and you move it over to the chi and you get Jis. There you go. And finally, you have Gurudo. Yes. Really? Gurudo is a shortening and a slight transformation of Yogurudo, or... Yogurt. That is brilliant. And Jeff, there you have the Dairy Special Task Force. So you're telling me that that we're reading about milk, cream, cheese, yogurt, and... And butter. And butter. (laughs) And butter. That's amazing. That is correct. Yes. Also, they're kind of a parody of the typical fighting team series that you have in Japan, like Power Rangers and so on and so forth. Right, exactly. So, Jeff, now you know. It's even funnier. (laughs) It really is even funnier. I'm sure if I were in Japan and I was reading this, I would be like, holy crap, that is the best joke he's written in five (laughs) volumes. Nice. No, we had emails about this and talking about uh, us doing the review versus not, and it sets up the pacing. I got to go with it. What do you guys think about the pacing for this volume? Mary, let me go to you. It was, you know, par for the course, I guess. It's been pretty standard, and I didn't feel like it was lagging behind the way it was in the first volume of this arc. I feel like uh, he's definitely hitting his stride as far as, you know, giving us some suspense and actually moving the plot along and also introducing new elements to us. So I feel like, you know, he's not overdoing it. He's not doing too much stuff, but Uh he's not being boring either. I agree. Let me tell you what I feel about that. I think this is the best sense of urgency Toriyama has written in quite some time. Especially that point where Ginyu is about to land and Vegeta is forced to, at least temporarily, ally himself with Kududin and Gohan. As far as the uh, urgency goes, I think... The best part, you know, as far as that goes, is when Vegeta says to Krillin, just destroy, destroy it. it. Yep, <laughs> it's absolutely. like, holy crap, he's dead. And you know what? He only barely hesitates to do so. He's right there completely willing to do it because he knows, all right, I may not get to wish my friends back, but the alternative is way, way worse. Jeff, how did you feel about the pacing? Do you agree or disagree? I would uh, absolutely agree. Although I think, uh, I know I've said this before, but but it's worth repeating. Uh, Toriyama is so very comfortable with, with storytelling at this point. Yes. I mean, of course, he's been doing it for a while now. Been doing it for a while now. But especially in this story, it seems to finally have like uh, some sort of normalcy where it really, really works. Like he knows exactly how to how to keep you going. You feel like at this point he definitely knows where this story is going. I think so. Okay. And uh, especially because you were you were touching upon that sense of urgency. I totally got that. I was really nice. sort of like I, I was I was hanging on. I was really hanging on. I was sort of checking like how many pages I had left in this volume because I really wanted something big to happen. Uh-huh. And so it really sort of led up to the Ginyu Force uh, landing. But even more so, I think it had had more to do with Goku landing you know it's yes. like I really he's still not even there yet yeah he's not even there I, I really wanted to see him land in this volume you know just to just to add another you know oh shit moment you know right. it, it didn't happen yet but I mean it's really really nice that, that it's just it, you it really kept you going the whole time I didn't want to put this thing down I had to keep reading after I went from chapter to chapter it was really exciting Nice. Julian, do you agree or disagree? I agree. Okay. Do you have any <laughs> explanation you'd like to go along with? Oh, just because the the constant sort of drama just keeps picking up. You go from one thing to the next, and just when you think maybe somebody's in the clear, uh, not quite. 
Something else is going to happen. You know, I love that, especially with having seven Dragon Balls. At no point, other than right there where again you finally collect them all, does anyone actually have all seven? They think they have all seven, but they they don't. And we get some great scenes like Vegeta bursting yes. out of the water, screaming at the top of his lungs. You know, it's weird. You know, a series called Dragon Ball actually focusing on the Dragon Balls for once. It's bizarre. I know it's been so long, but it becomes such a very funny treasure hunt. Like this is this is if National Treasure was a good movie. You know, like. <laughs> What? <laughs> it's where they're trying to like they're all vying for this one little piece of you know awesomeness and they can't get it none of them have it all and they think they do and uh what was it first it was frieza who thought they had he had it all and he right. didn't vegeta took him and then it was vegeta who thought he had them all and it wasn't because gohan took it and right oh my god it's it, it, and now even ginyu has them all and they they haven't done anything with them no he's just flying back <laughs> there's some great stuff in the TV version where he's like I don't know if it'll be in the next one where he's juggling them in the air and stuff. Well does he even know what what like how powerful doesn't he want to wish something I mean he has all seven Dragon Balls what is well, what is he doing? loyal to Frieza. But I mean against his own, he could crush Frieza with those Dragon Balls I really don't see why he's not making a wish right now. I can't wait to keep reading stuff with you Jeff. Are you kidding this cannot be explained. <laughs> not, I, I don't know. Uh, I mean I know everything. Damn it I was close that time. We'll get there <laughs> no, I'm not giving you any juicy detail. <laughs> I have a couple very specific things. I'm going to jump around a little bit with the things I want to talk about, but I think I really want to focus on Vegeta with this volume. I was actually hoping we would talk about him because I feel like this is the second volume in a row where we've gotten some great insight into Vegeta. Yes. It's like, you know, it's not the Goku show anymore. I feel like it's the Vegeta show. Which is nice. Yeah. I want to focus on his fighting for a little bit because I think we got hints of it in the last volume and he just takes it to a whole new level here with his absolute relentlessness. I don't even know if that's a true word. But that's what I want to go with. There are two very specific things that I love to death. One is the dirt in the eyes. Just he does that so seamlessly where he drops himself to the ground and in the same motion picks up the dirt and then bounces up and lets it go. So clever, so effective, and I think that's what Vegeta's really good at. It's at a least dirty for now. trick. So what? Like you think it would be beneath him, but it's like not. Like he says to Gerd, I didn't agree to any rules. You said you were fighting these two. I didn't say anything. So I, I totally see Vegeta doing that. The other absolutely wonderful moment with Vegeta fighting here is when Raccoon picks him out of the ground and it looks like he's unconscious, but he just opens his eyes and immediately fires that blast into his face. Mary, this was such a good animation day in the TV version. It was? I can so vividly remember that scene. I can't, actually. Oh, really? I might want to put that in. Such a good scene. That was a great animation What's day. What's weird is that I remember the fight with Gohan and Kuridin versus Bird a lot more than I remember this Raccoon stuff. Do you? Like, for real. I don't know why that is. I don't um, know either. Is that where the season break was? Uh, Yeah, the season ends, Goku had landed. Oh, okay, so and I would have... Goku was about to just... I'm not saying anything, because Jeff's here. I <laughs> Those are the Vegeta moments that really stuck out to me. Jeff, let me take it over to you. Vegeta in this volume, he's interacting with a lot more characters. Now he finally knows that the Earthlings are here. He was the only one that had a little bit out of the loopness. But now he's fully in, and he's fighting... Uh, everyone. Yeah, pretty much. So take it away. Give me Vegeta in uh, the mind of Jeff. What I love about Vegeta is he's smart. 
He is calculating and smart. The man knows how to just be on the right side at the right time, you know? I mean, he he really doesn't have a choice in the matter. He wants to take down Frieza, that's for sure. He wants to take down the bald midget and the little kid, but he can't <laughs> do that either. So he's just going to have to lie with them in order to take down Frieza because that's the greater the greater power here. Right. But, I mean, um, I think uh, he just has some really brilliant moves in combat, you know? He really does. Like, he doesn't have to do any sort of super moves or, or pull something from behind his back or be like, oh, I still have some power left and that sort of thing. He he does something as simple as picking up dirt and throwing it in someone's face. It's true. It is not any of that, well, I still have my trump card. He just goes all out right from the start. Yeah, and so it just shows that he has a ton of experience doing it. Like, you can tell this guy is totally ready for That's any situation. That's a good point, because when Kududin says, well, maybe Gohan can do it, he says, he may have a little bit of power, but he doesn't have any fighting experience. Vegeta clearly does himself there, and that's really shining through. Definitely. I think, uh, kind of to sort of segue into another topic, yes. where the we learn that the Saiyajin are able to uh, uh, become yes. stronger when they're nearly dying. And right. this happens to, to uh, Vegeta. And, uh, you know, they revive him for some stupid reason. I love that line where he's like, that was the worst thing you could have done to me. <laughs> that was really true, too. And we get the narrator telling us, you know, he knows a little bit more than Goku does. He says, Goku isn't even aware of what he's doing to himself. Uh, he surpassed what the Saiyajin are even supposed to be capable of. Well, you know, if you're watching the show Human Wrecking Balls on G4, they kind of go about this, actually. They say, uh, anytime you break a bone, it only gets stronger. So the more damage you do to yourself, it's actually true. Your bones Jeff, do get not always. It's true. yeah. Let's just start beating each other, and then we'll all get stronger. Let's do I it. Come on. From Dragon Ball, it, it must be true. It's true. Wow. It's true that if you have a, a simple fracture, that the point the point where <laughs> ah, oh, the point where it heals is stronger than the bone around it by virtue of the fact. That, oh my god! It is. But if you damage it before it's completely healed, it gets worse. If you have a compound <laughs> fracture, it may never be the same again, and in a bad way. Sorry, we're taking pictures of me hitting Jeff with a baseball bat. Oh, man. God. It doesn't really work that way. This may way or may not life. go up online. I don't know. You can injure yourself in ways from which you may never recover. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let us continue. Mary would, Mary, uh, Mary's preoccupied. Julian, would you like to talk about Vegeta briefly? Well, Vegeta is, for the first time, well, the, the entire arc, we've really been following Vegeta around in a way that, you know, well, before he was presented as a villain, but now he's not really sympathetic. But in a way, the narrative is almost encouraging us to root for him because he's going against the bad guys, too. So it's, right. it's kind he's of this kind weird of just feeling. a middleman. Yeah, he's not clearly aligned with either side, and he's doing what he needs to do in order to get through. Absolutely. All right, now I'll go over to you, Mary. Vegeta. He's great. And he says um, very neat things to people like uh, Zarbon, like, I've been a slave to you and Frieza for all these years, so it makes you wonder, hmm, here he is, this high and mighty guy, and yet what kind of life must he have had that, you know, he's been you know, working for these people with his pride as big as it is? It must have been really painful. He's been a pet. Basically. Oh, no! That's <laughs> horrible, like... Dojinshi fodder. All right, let's move away from that then. <laughs> let's talk about Vegeta and the decapitation. This may actually be grounds for another inconsistencies video. I don't know. I think it's a really different change. Jeff, if mm -hmm. you remember in the manga here, uh -huh. Gerd is about to impale Kudidin. Yes. And Vegeta appears beside him and chops off his head with a swipe from his hand. Okay. The next thing we see, you know, they banter a little bit back and forth. Vegeta uh, explodes the decapitated head, but it's a little bit off panel. You don't see the actual head. Right. This is different in the TV version. In the TV version, Vegeta uses some type of something. We don't really see if it's 
a, a slice or a key blast or, or what? We just see a zing, and Vegeta kind of appears on the ground next to him, and the head rolls off. We don't actually see the hand chop through the neck, which, I, we, which but, we pretty much do here. I mean, yeah, it's not animated, right. but we can see what's going on. In the TV version, there is... Uh, it's a little bit pulled back from the camera. It's kind of an overhead shot, but we see both Vegeta and the head right there. Vegeta explodes the head. So it kind of goes from the manga more violent to less violent, and then the TV version changes it and goes from less violent to more violent. Yeah, but you can get away with chopping off someone's head on Japanese TV, can't you? Yeah, sure. So, yeah, I guess that is kind of like a inconsistent moment, isn't it? It was a little change. It doesn't really do much, but it was different. Yeah, well, I mean, to note. didn't the, the drama behind uh, Kuririn's death the first uh, the first time, didn't that sort of have an inconsistency like that as well? Yeah, we talked about that. We liked it more in the TV version just because of the music and the build-up and stuff. Well, I gotta have to say that it's better here. You like it better there? All right. Well, I mean, I haven't seen the TV version, so... We will spot-check it. Awesome. There you go. Mary, I want to put something over here to you. We saw Vegeta use an attack here. This has been uh, hypothesis, discussion, all sorts of stuff with fans online for years. Uh, let me be a total nerd and show you what I'm doing here. And that's this. Okay. Vegeta uses this later on and actually has a name for it. Yes, he does. It's the final flash later on. Uh-huh. Right here, it's just kind of something. Would you say it's a prototype of the final flash? Um, I bet it's something Toriyama just drew and forgot he drew it and does it later on. I agree completely. <laughs> just wanted to toss it out there. There's a lot okay. of people note that and, hey, is there something going on there? It's not named. It's not given a name retroactively, anything like that, but it's there. Jeff, I want to talk about something very briefly with you that you were kind of into last volume, mm-hmm. and that's the four friends up on Kaiosama's planet. Correct me if I'm wrong. We don't see Kaiosama, never mind these other four. We don't see any of them this volume. Nope. How'd you feel about that? Do you care what's going on? I didn't even know they were gone until you just said that. Really? Yeah. Because we totally see him in the TV version, which is great padding material for the TV version. Guess what? I'm with Mary. I didn't even realize didn't that they even were realize there. didn't realize it? No, I mean, I guess, uh, well, it, you sort of have to understand what um, what needs more attention here. There's just yes. so much going on on this planet right now. I agree. Now. So, uh, I, you know, the, other than a, a witty one-liner, which I'm sure is going to come up in the next volume, there you go, that's one prediction. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I guess, uh, yeah, I, I didn't notice, so I guess uh, it's not a bad thing that we don't see him. All right. Mary uh, and Julian, you'll both know what I'm talking about. Maybe not without me reminding you, but I don't want to say what they are because I don't want Jeff to hear it and know what I'm talking about. But there were a couple hints of future plot points. One was very early on in this volume. Oh, yes. And, uh, all right, you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) I think that was wonderful of Toriyama to lay the seeds there. And we actually get to see those turn into something later on. Uh, That was so good. Julian, we're clearly on the same wavelength. What do you think? Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see those play out in later volumes. But I was surprised, you know, you get these sort of offhand remarks that turn into something that means something later. Exactly. And it actually makes me wonder how many offhand remarks there have been that weren't turned into something, but because they weren't turned into something, we don't say, oh, whatever happened to that blah 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 little thing? So I don't know if this is another case of Toriyama wrote something, forgot, and just did it later, or if he's thinking that ahead here. I'm afraid I don't know if I'm following. Should I know what you're talking about? You should. Do you have the volume? No, Jeff does. Jeff, give me that volume. Oh, right. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay, then. Moving on so Jeff doesn't get any <laughs> wacky ideas about what we're talking about. Not fair. <laughs> One thing I really had a problem with, I think this is sloppy writing, and that's when Gerd is using his telekinesis and time-stopping and stuff. Vegeta says, oh, I guess the rumors are true. I think that is such a sloppy way to write things. Really? Yeah. How so? I don't see what problem you have I, with that. I just, yeah. That's just pulling something out of his ass and saying, "And oh, yeah, I, I knew about that. Absolutely. So the rumors are true. I just don't like that phrase. I don't think that's... You, 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 I guess I see I what know. you're saying. Yeah, it's like you're. I don't know how to describe it. Well, we don't. We're not given that information. We don't. We don't understand like that. There could be things that we don't know about. That's sort of like offhand comment sort of stuff. But I, I can see that it is sort of a little annoying. I guess that there are these little things. But that sort of things come up before, Mike. I guess as opposed to what I was just talking about with Julian and Mary, I found this one sloppy compared to what that was as a very smart example. I don't know. Stuck out to me. Let me go to any of you other guys. Is there anything in particular you guys want to hit up on? We've talked about the urgency, how fast-paced this was. Vegeta is really the star of this volume, doing a whole lot of stuff. Any other characters do anything important? I actually want to bring up Saitaro. Please. He's going to die in a couple days? Yes. Uh, I think I don't remember why. Uh, he... Kind of just said he's really old. And that's that's really it? That's basically it. Well, how convenient is that? Yeah. Well, I mean, he kind of sort of knows uh, a bit, well, too much about his planet. Do you think he's sort of uh, able to see a little bit ahead of the future? You know, the, we see Saichiro as the kami of Planet Namek, more or less. And I don't want to get too in-depth because some things will be explained. I'm not, I don't feel like I'm spoiling anything for you, Jeff, but some things will... People will talk to each other. You'll see a little bit more about how he ties into the role of the planet. Okay. We do know that he gave birth to at least 108 Namekians. Yeah. So not weird at all. He's no. a tired old guy. Not weird at all. Or asexual being. Yeah, right? exactly. That's that's about it. He unleashed some potential here. That's something. Yeah, definitely. Like Gohan and Kudadin being a lot stronger. Yeah, I wonder why he didn't take Bulma to get her potential. I'm sure she could really you know, smack a pan around if you gave her a lot Absolutely. more power. You know? Totally. All right, so that's that character. Julian, anything else you want to hit? I think that pretty much covers it. Okay. Mary, how about you? Are you flipping through the next volume? Yeah, just to confirm one thing. Okay. Did you confirm that one thing? Yes, I did. All right, then. You're not going to tell me what that one thing is? No, I will not. All right, tell me Damn when Jeff it. leaves. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, no. Jeff, anything else you want to hit? I, I feel like I should really let you lead where you want to go because I'm so familiar with it, and you always pick out these little things that we totally forget about. Uh, mm. In this one, I don't think there was really much to pick out because it was very uh, plainly laid out in front of us, you know? Okay. Because we didn't really have to know. Well, actually, I do have one question. Sure. How did, refresh my memory, how did Vegeta just suddenly know where the last Dragon Ball was, where Bulma was and all that. Like, how did you, how did he just know that it was in some crevice with rocks? Oh, he didn't. At that point, he's with Kududin and Gohan, and he says they need to wish for immortality. And he knows that they have it because when he went to go get it from underwater, it wasn't there anymore. And he remembered the quote unquote watch. So obviously, they must have it. Okay, I thought he was making like a direct line to, he knew exactly where it was, so they might as well just take it to him anyway before he goes and finds it. No. People can't sense Dragon Balls on their own. All right, kind of like think he so. said to Ginyu, where he said, you know, you can use the scouters to find us, but you can't find the Dragon Balls, right? Okay, gotcha. Cause like he just sped off and they were like, oh crap, we gotta follow him, you know? Yes. Okay, that makes sense. Jeff, I am awful, and I got hung up with the 2008 predictions. And I forgot to go look back at what you predicted for this volume of the manga. That's really funny because 
I thought the same exact thing last night. And I'm like, wow, I really hope he listened to the last episode because I'm too lazy to <laughs> do it. it. I'm pretty sure you said Goku was going to show up. Did I? And if I remember correctly, you said Goku was going to show up and him and Vegeta were going to team up for something. Huh. That's as much as I remember. All right. Well, at least I got the whole cooperation of Vegeta thing right. Yeah, you definitely got that right. Okay, good. So let's make a pact. All right. One of us will remember next time you come back to go back and listen to what you predicted. <laughs> Four members, where are you on this one? Come on. <laughs> yeah, reply in the thread and let us know what Jeff predicted and if he was right or not. Yes. I'm holding the next volume. Would you like to make some predictions about where the next one is heading? I swear to God, we you guys have, are such teases. <laughs> we have Gerd dead. Yes. We have uh, Vegeta fighting Raccoon and not doing so hot here. Uh-oh. And that's about it. And can you just bring the Dragon Balls back to Frieza? And Goku's coming back in 20 minutes. Two minutes. Two minutes. Two minutes. Two minutes. Oh, my God. What do you think's happening? Uh, Goku lands. Goku lands. Because, right. no, it's an entire volume of two minutes before <laughs> Goku lands. Oh, we're not there yet. Don't worry. Uh, that's only in the TV version. Okay, gotcha. Fine. <laughs> yeah, that's right. This is the manga. All right. So, Goku's eventually going to land, I think, in the first page. Okay. <laughs> and, um, well, there, he's going to have to know what's going on. I mean, he's going to land his son's going to be there. The bald midget's going to be there. And Vegeta's finding some Ginyu guys. And and uh, Goku is just going to have to start fighting. I mean, there's really no question about it. He can't just stand there and not do anything. I mean, he he has to fight. Yes, he can in filler. Oh, well, yeah. Filler aside. <laughs> I'll talk about that scene next time when you do the manga. But anyways, keep going. <laughs> filler aside. That's redundant. Anyway. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I, I would say that Goku has to start fighting. Uh, does the Ginyu Force get defeated? I don't think they will. Okay. I don't think so. Because one of them is still flying the Frieza with the Dragon Balls. Yes, Ginyu is taken off to go to Frieza and he's got all seven Dragon Balls. Alright, so whether those Ginyu guys that are still there with the, with everybody is, are dead or not, if they have been killed or not, they're all going back to Frieza. That's what I'm thinking. You think the three of them are gonna have to hightail it either and go back to Frieza? Oh, I definitely think so. Because, uh, the Dragon Balls are there. As soon as they get to Frieza, all hell's breaking lose so if anything you know they, they gotta they gotta stop this before it happens and uh, i think they're already losing time right now because all the dragon balls are going to frieza at the moment aren't they yes so bring them back right now yeah unless goku lands in frieza's you know a, a boat that's true we don't know where goku is going to actually land right so it's it, a big planet you know what you never know in, in some sort of funny circumstance another uh, deus ex machina if you will maybe goku lands on <laughs> <laughs> it was it was getting you who's he gonna take his shoes Afterwards, <laughs> he's gonna land on top of him. Feet will be sticking out. He's gonna take the slippers off. Oh well, maybe I don't know. Tap his feet together a couple times, <laughs> and then a bunch of midgets just come out and start singing. Well, there's a couple. <laughs> That's true. One of them's decapitated, <laughs> but whatever. Toriyama, Jeff, that is politically so incorrect. They're little people. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so- I, hey, I'm paraphrasing. Okay, from okay. the manga. Thank you. Fair enough. V- this is Viz's fault, not mine. Yes. So anyway, I think um, <laughs> I think that's really going to be uh, everything that happens. I, I either I, I would say either they start fighting with Goku or Goku actually interrupts the Dragon Balls arriving at Frieza. Okay, that takes care of mostly everyone. Left, we have Nail and Saichiro. That's true. What do you think about them? Well, What's going on there? Saitro ain't moving. Very true. So, He's just sitting there. Yeah, and Nail is Nail's pretty powerful from what we heard. Yeah, we, we can get a little bit of an idea that he's probably a little different than the others we've seen. Right, so maybe, possibly, there might be some connection there. I don't really see much of a connection with them yet because they haven't been given much time to uh, really have parts, you know? Yep. So I, I can't really uh, confidently say that they're going to have much of a part in the next volume, but right. that's just what I'm going by. Fair deal. Yep. I think that's it. Yep. Anyone have any closing thoughts? Let me go over to Julian. 
Yes. What are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward to many things that Jeff is unaware of yet, but it's going to be an action-packed next few volumes. Very nice. I took my headphones off just in case you mentioned. I'm sorry. I'm playing along here. <laughs> Mary, how about you? You looking forward to the next one? Yes. Um. Yes and no. You just went through it. I'm kind of bittersweet about things because okay. I know from watching the anime, I got less enthusiastic about right. the arc. But well, I want. You read this part of the manga? I can't remember. I I, I did. Gave up. I did. You did? I think okay. I got. I think I got about this far when I was reading it, and I'm hoping to give it another chance uh, as opposed to what I've watched. Okay, nice. Jeff, are you psyched for next volume? Hand it over, give me. No. Oh. That wraps up our manga review of awesomeness for this month. This was Dragon Ball Volume 23, DBZ7. So uh, check back next month. Jeff, you'll be here next month. We'll do another volume of manga. I don't have a choice in the matter. No, I'm kidding. I do. You have a little bit of a choice. I do. I love it. I can't wait. Nice. Julian, you are here for a second week in a row. Yes. We are going to get back to your segment. Oh, wow. Last time we did this, we did Chi, and you did Chi Chi. That's right. So what comes next? Now, this time we're going to do Tsu, and this week we'll have Tsuru Sennin. Ah, good choice. Yes, Tsuru Sennin is the Crane Hermit, and it would appear that he is somewhat of the evil counterpart of Kame Sennin. So they both trained under the same master, Mutaito, who fell in fighting against the original demon lord Piccolo. After this, the two men went their separate ways and adopted competing philosophies, where uh, Tsuru Sennin's focused on basically, I guess, being selfish and an asshole. <laughs> yes. Yes. He has a younger brother, Tao Pai Pai, and he trained both Tenshin Han and Chaozu in the ways of being another douchebag, but also pretty powerful. So, I don't know, he's an interesting character, but we all wonder where he went after he got tossed into the air. Oh, very true. We never heard from him again. Wait, who came back in that filler before the Cell game? That was Tao Pai Pai as a cyborg, right? That's right. We didn't see any of Sudo sending there. Nope. All right, then. So, yeah, we have absolutely no idea what happened to him after they took off. Yeah, but he's, I don't know. He he amuses me in some ways. It's a I shame agree. that they didn't use him more. Very true. He's a good character. All right, that was a, a very easy DBZ ABCs. Nice. Yep. What comes next time? Next time we have Te. All right, Te. We'll get to that next time you're here, hopefully next week. All right. All righty. Let's move on to releases. As far as I can tell, uh, there's only one last thing coming out in the month. Everything was uh, the 1st through the 9th, and we're recording on the 9th, so by the time you get this, that's all out. So the only other thing, I said it was coming out January 10th. Well, now we know that January 10th is January 21st, and that would be Volume 29 of the Spain release of Dragon Ball Z. This will be a two-disc set containing episodes 232 to 239. You know the deal here. Uh, remastered, Spain, PAL, two discs, discs. Two discs. There's two discs in this. Thing. <laughs> um, you know that Vegeta on the cover that's a final bout pose yes interesting uh, that's it so with that done we're moving on to emails Ooh. we received another audio email this week and this email comes to us from Rory and Rory is also completely enthralled with the music homages and we have another one here so let's check in with Rory hey Mike, Mary, Julian, Jeff and whoever else might be on the show right now this is Rory from the forums. Uh, just a quick email to share something pretty funny that I've noticed about some Dragon Ball Z music. I'm sure you're all familiar with Kenji Yamamoto's Vegeta theme used in Super Patoda and Final Bow, Toma Battle 22 and some others that I'm probably missing.
the other day when I was listening to this song, I noticed that this is a complete rip-off of the Terminator theme. Hope you guys thought that was as funny as I did. Anyway, guys, great work on the website, the podcast, and forum. See ya. So, <laughs> that was another great one. And I actually heard two more today. I was listening. No. I totally did. I was listening on the way to work to 2006, one half best special remix, whatever that CD was. And I heard another two. One of them was um, Kimi no Soda, whatever that song is, with the one of my favorite image songs. And I forget what other song it was. But yeah, I got another two for you. So we'll get to that. Hopefully I'll remember those for next week. People love these. I'm so glad that they do because they are absolutely enthralling to me. We're going to have to do like a catch up episode, collecting them all again in one place. People yes. have had so many great ones. Revisit it. That would be awesome. Very nice. Hey, I need to be your moderator here. You got to go. <laughs> they they got to get through me. Because <laughs> if I'm like, hey, wait a minute, that's Pink Floyd. Jeff, all right. You want to help? Yes, I will. I would love to, rather. Excellent. What? Okay, great. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff, you have 13 CDs. Go. All right, awesome. Just give me a couple that minutes. box is dusty. Jeff. Hey. We have an email here from some guy named Bryce. Yeah, who is this Bryce guy? You know, is this our Bryce or I a different Bryce? I can't think of a single guy named Bryce that I like. Oh. <laughs> oh. You know what? I can think of a Bryce that I like. Bryce 3D. Oh, yeah, I went there. <laughs> I went all 96 on your ass. I'm totally lying because Bryce and I have been uh, talking via text about the loss of One Up and we've been crying on each other's shoulders. Aww. Man love. Yay. <laughs> yes. Jeff, Bryce sent us an email. That's a dojinshi right there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Mike, Mike X. Bryce. X Bryce. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not do this. <laughs> He's never writing here again. <laughs> Bryce says, hey, gang, I had a quick question from a casual DB fan. I always wondered about flight in Dragon Ball and when exactly Goku and others learned how to fly and if there was any logic behind it. It has been forever since I read the manga and I can't recall too much about it. I remember Gohan teaching Videl and Goten to fly much later in the series, but when or how other characters learned it is a mystery to me. Have you come across any answers perhaps beyond the source material itself? Thanks guys and keep it up. Jeff, you're going to answer this question. I, I, I am? Let me guide you here. Okay. Can you remember the first time you saw one of I'll say our gang, but you know our gang evolved over time. Yamcha wasn't originally part of our gang. Yeah. Yes. No, they, they came to be part of it. Right. Can you remember the first time that you saw one of our gang flying? Uh, yeah, wait. It was in the earlier volumes. So, um, I can't remember who it was, though. But it wasn't that like in one of like the later single digit volumes, I think it was. Like it was, uh, it wasn't around where, where we first saw like, um, Chi Chi and, and her dad. No, that was too early. No, it was too early. Yeah. Um, God, I know what you're talking about. I can't remember now. Julian, I'm thinking of two people in particular. Mm. Do you know who I'm talking about? <clears throat> Maybe. Mary, do you know who I'm talking about? Yes. Who? Ten Shinhan and Chaozu? That's exactly oh, who I'm thinking Oh, you're of. right. Was okay. there anyone before them that was flying? Um, I think they really introduced the concept of Bukujutsu, which is levitation, flying, whatever you want to call it. And they were kind of mocking the others for not being able to do this. This is at the 22nd Tenkaichi Budokai. Uh, and we saw with the the end fight there that Ten Shinhan was able to fly, Goku was trying to keep himself up in the air 
by firing Kamehameha down at the ground to propel himself back up. He wasn't able to fly at that point. The rest of the gang, as they all became friends, the next time we saw it was at the 23rd Tenkaichi Budokai, and we saw Kurinin stop himself midair after Piccolo had hit him. This is about the point the characters started learning how to fly. Maybe because they saw Tenshinan and Chaozu able to do it? I don't know. They kind of picked it up. I think Kurinin even made some snide comment, like he was brushing the blood off his face. He's like, hey, yeah, I can do it too. Uh, Goku actually used this technique to defeat Piccolo with the 23rd Tenkaichi Budokai. He, all of his limbs were basically broken, so he lifted himself up and flew and headbutt Piccolo. When about they learned it? I guess you could say in the training leading up to the 23rd Tenkaichi Budokai. So how do they fly? Key manipulation? Yeah, it is key manipulation. That, that's basically it. You know, Bryce was talking about Gohan teaching Fidel and Gohan, and Fidel had a little bit of a hard time doing it, but she was eventually able to do it, and she's just a regular human. It's all about just controlling your key and getting yourself up there. Although, there is a really interesting comment that Piccolo makes to Goku at some point. I don't remember if it's during Raditz, when he's flying off, but Piccolo says something about the way he does it is a little bit differently than the others. It's a little more demonic, the way he's able to control his flight. There's a little something there. But I don't remember that. No. Nope. It's in there somewhere, unless I'm totally making it up. That was really well made up, Which Mike. is very possible. Really <laughs> nicely fictionalized there. Thank you. So any comments from the peanut gallery? Anyone? Julian, Mary, Jeff, did we answer Bryce's question? Yes. Thank you, Bryce. Uh, I will not be having gay sex with you anytime soon. Please send more emails. But still visit, because we love you. <laughs> more Mike X, Bryce. I'm done here. Jeff, why don't you read the email here from Rachel? Rachel says, Hi again, everyone. I don't really have a question this time, but I just wanted to point something out. I was poking through Wikipedia a bit, and I searched Tenkaichi in the search box. A few results came up, and I saw one for an album called Ten Songs by a band called I Hate Myself. Very emo. Jeff. I was waiting for that. Get off my fucking show. Aww. <laughs> oh, well. Tickle me emo. Right. Um, <laughs> just reminded me of that. I'm sorry. I clicked on it, and sure enough, the first song on this album was called This Isn't the Tenkaichi Budokai. I looked it up and listened to it on YouTube. Of course, it's on YouTube. And I couldn't really pay attention to most of the words, since I didn't especially like the song. But near the end, the singer yells, Kamehameha. So it seems that there are a lot more Dragon Ball-related songs than I thought. I love the song F now, by the way. I've been randomly singing the main chorus for about a week now. If you guys have any more of this sort of thing, I, I know at least a few listeners would get a kick out of hearing about it. Thanks for all the hard work on the podcast and site, Rachel. Rachel, I hate to break it to you. We talked about it on episode 57 a long time ago. I did 100 ex- episodes ago. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I did the exact same thing where I was just searching. I think it was in iTunes. You can go back and listen to the story there. I was just searching for Dragon Ball related things. And I think I typed in the word Budokai just to see if maybe the Budokai soundtracks are up there or anything like that. And I came across the song too and I downloaded it. And I had the same thoughts. I think I liked it a little more than you did. Uh, it's basically Screamo, but... Um, it- it's called This Isn't the Tenkaichi Budokai. And since it's been 100 episodes, I-, I figured it was worth bringing up again since Rachel wrote in. It's two years ago, man. Wow, we've been doing the show for over three years now. Can you believe it? I sure can't. doesn't feel like it. feels it like one year. Mary. Yes. Three years ago. Where were you three years ago? Probably right here. Yeah. With a much shittier microphone. <laughs> <laughs> the microphone Jeff is using. Oh. But Jeff has the deep voice that compresses well and he can use it. Oh, yeah. Compressor to compressor action. Mary, if people have questions, comments, all that stuff, where they want to send them over to. Send them to podcast at diezex.com. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at D-A-I-Z-E-X dot com. Thank you oh so much. We've come to the end of the episode. Aww. Aww. 
It's a shame, I know, but we have to go. I'm going to get rid of our special guest here. Jeff. Yeah. We had a crossover this weekend between our two shows. Yes, we did. We, we had a little bit of music talk here, and I sort of talked about Dragon Ball music for a very brief section. You sneaked this into Second, your number whatever. four, I think. Was it number four? I think it was number four in my top five. Songs, not without my horn albums, actually, I should say. Yep, I'm not going to say anything else. No, go check it out at Low Fidelity. That is lowfidelity.info, L-O-F-I-D-E-L-I-T-Y.info. Jeff, what is Low Fidelity? It is a indie sort I guess, music appreciation podcast that you and I host. I would say you. Well, I show up. Yeah, you show up. I, I host, but you co-host, and you do an excellent job of it. Thank you. And little, yes. little does he know it, but uh, Brad is guest hosting next episode. <laughs> Hopefully <laughs> yes. he's heard it twice by now, so it's going to happen. Right, exactly. He better uh, he better listen to this episode, <laughs> otherwise he's going <laughs> to be kind of stuck. That's right. That's right. He has no choice. So, Jeff, if... Or if not, people care. What are we reviewing next time on that show? Uh, we're going to be reviewing the highly acclaimed so far Animal Collective album, Meriwether Post Pavilion. All right. So if you're into music, and even if you're not, you just like Jeff's voice, which is me, check it out. <laughs> oh, ew. <laughs> <laughs> Mary. Yes? I don't know how in-depth I want to get you talking. Just plug Temple of Trunks. Uh, what does that mean? I'm afraid of what you're going to say. <laughs> I've degraded my sight on the show enough as it is. I have nothing left. I don't. <laughs> Mary has no shame left to yeah. give you. Where do you want me to go? <laughs> what are you implying, senor? Nothing. Plug it. Oh, plug it? Is that what you're alluding to? <laughs> How old are you? Old enough. <laughs> She's the sober one here. What's going on? Your birthday. I gotta week. drive us home. Um, yes, it is my birthday next week. Congrats. A week Ooh. from today. Congratulations. Oh, yeah. Um, nice. Yes, Templet Trunks. T e m p l e o t r u n k s dot com. That is the site of stuff. You know you can't update it all this year. No, I won't let myself get that bad. Maybe I will. I actually had a horrible thought today at work. What's that? That was transferring the site to your site, so I want to pay for hosting anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll do it. I'll stop I'll be like, Diary Century. No, wait. Uh, Temple of Trunks is a fully owned subsidiary. <laughs> 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 I'll be making my first acquisition. <laughs> we'll put out a press release. Oh my god, we're doing it. I'll put out a press release. <laughs> How much are you going to pay me to sell it to you? <laughs> I'll take you out to dinner next week. You were going to do that anyway. That's it. The deal's off. Yeah, but now I'll enjoy it. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> wow, anything to get Mary off Angel Fire, huh? <laughs> oh, man. That was really good. GeoCities, Jeff. Come on. Angel Fire can't post images, Jeff. Oh, I'm out of the loop. Oh, man. Oh, my God. Zoom. <laughs> I was on Zoom. I know. I don't remember the address. It was like Zoom. No, templatrunks.zoom.com. I think or that's something still like up. that. No shit. I'm gonna go find it. All right, Julian. Yes. You and me. We're. I thought we were done with the page, but then uh, people started responding to the preview on the forum. I have a little bit more work to do. Oh boy. <laughs> Not too much. Couple things. Okay, but you can find us at DaisenchuEx, which is located on the wide web of the inter of the world. Net. Yes. And that ma magical, mystical place at the web address that you can type into that little bar of text at the top of your screen. Now, wait a and minute, Julian. I have two bars at the top. Which one do I type it into? You type into the one that allows you to enter addresses and not the one that says search or Google or whatever. Okay, got it. Thanks. Okay. Can you tell my dad uh, okay. that? Uh, I can try. All right. Now, you type in www.daizenchuex.com. 
Z E X. What? No, I'm just typing along. I'm going to see if this works. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, one more time then. You can type in www.daizex.com. Oh, okay. All right. Hit the carriage return. What's a carriage? Just just hit enter. Okay, I did. What is that site? Oh, whoops, oh my I have the font size too big. All right, there we go. Fixed. I don't you, know why I'm acting like I'm retarded. You know you can change the font size, but you didn't know how to type in an address. There's <laughs> something wrong here. Did I trade you on this? No. Okay, that's All not All I my have fault. to do is squeeze my fingers together and the font size changes. You, right, you know what? what? <laughs> <laughs> Blow it out your ass. That's right. I could do that too if I was using my phone, but I'm not. Okay. All right, Julian, you and me, we'll be there. Yes. You've had a reinvigorated interest in working on some stuff. Yes. Awesome. So, yeah, it's kind of fun. Nice. We're finishing up that one page has been plugging it for i think three weeks now eventually it'll actually go up maybe i'll finish it this weekend so that's that for jeff over here for me yep oh shucks oh bye mary yo check you later bye for julian hey my name is mike oh from daisenshu ex wrap it up bud daisenshu ex Do 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 do